time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey, everybody, and welcome. It's Christy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here, and this is episode number 37 of our podcast, where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton, but most importantly, We hug chickens every day. Every day and kiss them too. Don't forget. We brew coffee from a little coffee house here in Bel Air, Maryland. Coffee, coffee. Holly Ann, what kind of coffee are we brewing today? I believe this is Colombian. Colombian, because it's hot. But we're drinking hot coffee today. It's not as hot as it's been. It's all right. It's all right. If you're a fan of delicious coffee, scrumptious scones, and delicious lunch specials, and you're local, head on over to Coffee Coffee. You will not be disappointed. Here we are. August. It's summertime still. I mean, it is hot, hot, hot. It's starting to get cool at night, though. I really like it this time of year. July, like around here, is the hottest month. Oh, it's awful. And then August seems to be like it starts to kind of... By the end of August, you have yeah. sunny, warm days, but really cool nights and mornings. It's, yeah. I love it that way. It's better for the chickens. The weather's Much been better. really great. I've been doing a ton of gardening, and I have to send a thank you to my girls, Sophia and Ella, for doing some major weeding for me over here. Yeah, man. they have. It looks great. They're doing those brick walkways for me. Mm -hmm. Those weeds pop up so fast. Oh, they do. So they went out there and... Phew, nice. Thank goodness. It looks Sa- great. They saved mama's back. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> How are the babies doing? Oh, the baby nankins are ridiculously cute. They oh, my are. Heavens. They're so cute. They're the sweetest little things. If you haven't, checked our Instagram. There's pictures of them on there. So cute. Yeah, they're adorable. George and Martha, I think, are on their final adult molt. So I think the last of their baby feathers are going. They're going to have their big rooster and hen feathers. And the one thing I do know about George is he likes to crow. Oh, holy moly. He is a talking (laughs) fool. That little rooster, he's always talking. You open the door in the morning. I mean, every day when we're on the phone, he's like on the phone with us. (laughs) Kind of. And I'm always yelling back on my end. George, be quiet. Well, if you have me on speaker, I can hear the girls and Joe laughing at George crowing. <laughs> he really is a talking guy. We love George. Yeah, George is like, we're like, okay, what do you want to do this subject? And George's like, <laughs> oh, he sounds, and he doesn't do the standard crow. No, he sounds like it's a well, mini, if you it cuts remember, off or something. It does. Well, if you remember when we interviewed Jeanette Berenger about the crow, of course, she said that they sound like they're saying Happy New Year. Yeah. Well, George sounds like he's saying Happy New Year, <laughs> except he's a squeaky toy. So it sounds like a squeaky toy saying Happy New Year. And the one day we were sitting on the deck and Joe, we were talking to you on the phone and Joe was like, is someone being murdered at Holly Ann's? <laughs> no, that's just George. It's George. We love George. Anyway, the Nankins are great. The baby Nankins are great. Yeah. Everyone's happy at my place. Yeah. Everybody's happy over here. So I'm getting some gardening done and figuring out what I'm planting for fall. Uh-huh. Me too. That's going to all start up. The girls are helping with the weeding and it's just, we're in a good spot right now. Yep. So we want to stop and just ask everybody a favor. If you're listening to us and loving our show, if you could do us a favor and head on over to Apple Podcast and leave us a written review and a rating. We would love it. It does fabulous things for our show. It really helps us grow the podcast. Thank you for everyone who has left us we reviews. Love. We love reading them. Yeah. They're so much fun. They actually are one of the bright spots of our days when we get the reviews. Yeah. If you're looking for other ways to support the podcast, 
You can visit our Patreon page. Check out our tiers of membership there. Thank you to our most recent patrons. Yes, thank you for joining. You can also visit our Etsy shop where we sell our logo mugs and our beautiful t-shirts. Yeah. The t-shirts have free shipping. Yeah, that's great. Hey, Chris. Yeah. Do you like subscription boxes? Does it have anything to do with chickens? Of course. Then most definitely. Let me just take a minute to tell everybody about the Chicken Love Box. If you love goodies for your chickens and you, you need to go to chickenlove.com. By the way, did you get your July box yet? I did. And I absolutely love that hanging treat feeder and the beaded rooster bracelet that I'm wearing everywhere. Just the cutest. I am in love with that brown sugar saver. It's saving my sugar from the hammer already. I love the Mega Box. There's tons of useful products in there for my flock and a chicken t-shirt for me. You can't go wrong with a chicken tea. They are so cute and so soft. You're going to love them. Yeah, the boxes start at $39 a month. They ship out immediately after your order and shipping is always free. It's such a great deal. Don't wait. Get your box. Get off the nest and click already. Chickenlove.com. Chickenluv.com. Get your subscription today. Okay, are we ready to move on to our Breed Spotlight? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. This week we're doing, no surprise, another chicken that I didn't know that much about that I really like. That you could see in your flock? There aren't too many that I can't see in my flock. <laughs> it's an ongoing joke, I know, but it's true. So we're spotlighting the Barnevelder. Yes. The Barnevelder is a, really a beautiful breed. They were developed during the 20th century in the Netherlands in the region of Barnenveld. Barneveld. The Barnevelder is a standard-sized chicken with a really beautiful double-laced partridge pattern. It is. It's kind of like the lacing of the Wyandotte. Yes, it does remind me of the Wyandotte. It's essentially, in the Barnevelder, it is black lacing over brown. It's really pretty. It's really pretty. The head and the neck are black with iridescent green. Yeah, I see that. Really gorgeous. The roosters are dark and handsome, and the hens are very fluffy and charming. The roos have a lot of iridescent tail feathers, which is really pretty. Mm -hmm. So the Barnevelder is known as a good-tempered and friendly bird. And get this, they lay a chocolate brown egg. I might need one of these. Right? Because Drew and Anastasia just got yelled at this morning for picking on Lucy. Yeah. (laughs) Imagine that. So I need someone calm to come in and lay me the dark chocolate eggs. So they lay the chocolate brown eggs. They lay about three of them a week. So respectable layer. Average. Yeah, yeah. The roosters are about seven pounds. The hens are about six pounds. Okay. They have a straight comb. It's a moderate-sized comb and waddles on the roo, and it's actually quite small on the hens. Here's another thing. If you want a chicken that's a little bit more docile in your flock, they remind me of the Wyandotte. They do. And they lay chocolate eggs like the Moran. And yes. these two, the Morans and the Wyandots, can be stronger personality definitely chickens. stronger personalities. So this chicken kind of gives you the best of both worlds. Yes. Yeah. They're definitely stronger personalities in a mixed flock. These are beautiful. you got chocolate eggs. They do seem like a really good alternative to the Moran's for chocolate egg or to the Wyandotte for that beautiful lacing. Yeah, for both. Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, if you're looking for those things, but you don't want a strong-willed Especially in a mixed flock, yeah. Yeah, then this might be the way to go. Yeah, they're really pretty. They have yellow legs and red ear lobes. They're quite cold-hardy, not so fun of the heat. As in most of my chickens. Exactly, right. They are active and like to forage. The hens generally don't go broody, but as we know, there are always exceptions to this. I did find plenty of photographs of broody Barnevelder hens. Yeah. And if you have a mixed flock, you can have a non-broody and a broody if that's the way you want to go. If you want to hatch eggs under a broody hen. Right. Right. Any chicken will sit on any egg. It doesn't have to be their broody. Yeah, they don't care. They don't care what it is. They don't care if they're going broody. Egg underneath. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. 
So the Barnevelder was recognized by the American Poultry Association in 1991. They're a newbie. Yeah. Yeah, they really are. I mean, really a newbie. Yeah. I mean, they were developed mid to late 20th century. Yeah. Various sources say that the Barnevelder was developed when a group of local farmers began crossing the local chickens with roosters from the Asiatic class. Okay. The Barnevelder Club of North America actually specifies that it was the Langshin. Wow. That was the breed crossed with the local birds. And it took a bit of time, but eventually the variously colored offspring developed into their standard patterns. I don't see the Langshin in it so much, though. I'm assuming it's just the size. I didn't find any photos of those local chickens that yeah. the farmers were working with. Yeah. But the Netherlands is a huge country for chicken breeds. So the Barnevelder Club of North America does have a website, and they have a lot of interesting history there about the development of the breed. Right. They also have a list of the breeders, and you'll like this because you were comparing them to the Wyandotte. Some of the breeders that you find on the website do breed non-APA color varieties. Oh, wow. So the website has photos of a beautiful silver lace variety. Oh. It's really beautiful. The Barnevelder is available for most hatcheries. It's not a rare breed. They do show up in farm supply stores in spring and fall at times. Yes. I haven't seen them too often, though, around here. I don't know that I saw them at the mill where we shop, but they maybe were at Bauman's. Maybe. We might have to go back there. I can actually see this chicken in my flock. I could see this chicken in your flock and my flock. Yeah. Your flock's full. My flock might be full. (laughs) (laughs) So overall, we feel like the Barnevelder is just a lovely laid back breed that will give you those chocolate eggs. Other than the fact that they're not super heat hardy, we don't really see a lot of downsides to this chicken. No, and they're used in a lot of other chickens to get different color eggs. Yes, to get green eggs, olive eggers, I believe, use this chicken. This is definitely one of the breeds that they use. Yeah. yeah. And the olive eggers to mm-hmm. start to go with the blue egg layer and the dark brown right. to get a green. To get an olive green, yeah. So another really interesting fact about the Barnevelder is that the Barnevelder was developed very close to where the Wellsummer was developed. Yeah. In fact, the Barnevelder is one of the foundation breeds of the Wellsummer. Right. Yeah. And you know I have a special place for Wellsummers. Of course, because of Gertie the Wonder Hen. <laughs> She is a wonderhead, man. Woo! Really, if you're not familiar with the Barnevelder, Google them. Yeah, gorgeous. Gorgeous. If you have an established mixed flock and you want a really beautiful bird mm-hmm. without a strong personality, this might be an alternative absolutely. to the Morans and to the wine dots. Yeah, if I were in it for egg color, I would absolutely have them for my chocolate eggs. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I have chocolate eggs, but I have the stepsisters that give them to me. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> I, I mean, do love Drusilla and I do love Anastasia, but holy moly, can they create I mean, sometimes? Sophia this morning screams at the top of her lungs like something was really badly going on. What? And I was like, what's going on? She's like, Anastasia is going after Lucy. Oh, I'm poor like, Lucy. can't take it. Lucy, tiny little leghorn. Oh, man. It is stressful to have those kinds of bullying. Yeah, you know, so an even keel friendly bird. Yes, and gorgeous. And gorgeous, that's a plus. The ruse are drop-dead gorgeous. And chocolate eggs, which is hard to yeah, come by. Exactly. So. Everyone, do yourself a favor. Check this bird out. We're heritage breed girls, but we are all over this chicken. We like this chicken a lot. Yeah, it's really cool. So it's time to go across the pond and have coffee with Fiona. Yeah. This is our August roundtable. And this month, we're going to be talking about chicken communication. Yes. And Fiona, you know a lot about this. You're our resident expert on chicken communication. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. I made a video about this about 18 months ago, and it was actually Hugh's idea. It wasn't my idea. I didn't think anyone would be interested in it. And it's our most successful YouTube video. 
all I did was take the life cycle of the chicken. So from when they're hatched through learning their structure in the hierarchy to the calls that they make, so the egg song, but it's the nonverbal communication as well that goes on. And I've got yeah. this fantastic scene that makes me laugh so much every single time with my little old Gannett, so my OG, who unfortunately we lost this year. She bops one of the youngsters on the head because it's her treats. I am hand feeding her. <laughs> yeah. It's her uh-huh. treats. And first of all, she just looks at them and they don't stop eating. So then she just turns around and just bop straight on the head and it is the most commented on scene that we have ever filmed and it still makes me laugh when I watch it now (laughs) I'm sure people communicate even through body language body language it's working for them and they do have calls and they do mean something to each other whether they're yelling at each other whether it's an (laughs) egg song Right now, our littles are trying to get in on treats for the Lavender Orpingtons and Gertie, and they're getting the little bops right now, especially (laughs) Spicy. She tries to come right in the middle. That is a bold chicken. And grab one and get out of there before they can get her. (laughs) She's brilliant to watch on Instagram as Little Spicy. She is bold, isn't she? She is bold. Beyond. From a day-old chick, she would fly up out of the brooder, sit on the edge of the brooder, try to get on you. I really picked a wild one. She's great, though. She <laughs> She's really so cute. But she runs right in the middle. They're all eating and then just grabs it and they go after her. She's too fast. Don't you find with the egg song, people talk about the egg song there. There's actually two versions, isn't there? There's the one yes. before. There's yes. the, yes. I've got an egg up my bottom noise. Yes. yes. And then there's the one afterwards. I've laid. I've laid. Yes. Look, it's in the nest. And our place, exactly. the first one, generally it has all kinds of hysteria attached to it. Because, as we've said before, it's a biological imperative for hens to want to lay a clutch of eggs together. So yeah. there's usually the screaming, I have an egg and she's in my box. Yeah. It really can take one hysteria. It will set yes. off the roosters. The whole place is in an uproar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hazel is the worst for us with that. I mean, she really? really does. Oh, yeah. I mean, she'll walk around for probably about an hour having a go saying, I've got one up my bottom. I need somewhere to <laughs> I go love it. You're in my space. I want to be there. Let well, me in. To me, the call before the eggs lake sounds a lot like the warning calls. So it sends me back to the run yes. to make sure nothing's yes. going on. And you just be like, okay, is that just somebody waiting to lay an egg? Or is there a predator around or what? And that's the other thing. The warning call is distinct. The warning call is very distinct. I have a little bit of science attached to the warning call. So I'll preface this by saying there's a 2017 article in Scientific American that really covers a lot of the research done on chicken communication in the 20th century. So from the 1950s to the 1980s, there were a pair of professors at UCLA. They were ornithologists, Nicholas and Elsie Calais, and they did most of their research on poultry. They cataloged more than 24 distinct calls and meetings from chickens. So that's sort of the groundwork for yeah. the, the science of chicken communication. From about 2014 onwards, the chicken industry has become more and more interested in cataloging the verbal sounds of chickens and using that to help diagnose problems. For instance, your chickens are too hot, something like that. There's a biologist, Dr. Carolyn Smith. She's at Macquarie University in Australia. 
And she did this experiment where she attached wireless mics to chickens using bra straps, which I thought was ingenious, like a crop bra, right? She was specifically looking at the warning call we just mentioned. And she found that not all warning calls are the same and that it can be very nuanced. Generally, it's a cockerel giving the warning call or just a watcher hen. Like in my flock, Bluebell is not the top hen, but she's the watcher and she gives the warning calls. I've noticed that there is definitely the job of the watching hen. Yes. Like it's sometimes the top hen, sometimes not, but it's always like a mouthy one that's going to be like, I'm going to tell y'all. Often. For us, it's Lennox, one of our little cream leg bars. She is very much the watcher. Okay. But her warning call is very distinct to Ramesses when he was making his warning calls. Uh huh. And Lightning and Cinnamon as well, when they make the warning calls, it's very similar to Ramesses. But Lennox's is very much, it's almost frenetic. It's almost like a, a panicking, you know, watch, 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 watch. <laughs> mm-hmm. Whereas Ramesses' call was always almost throaty, quite chesty, mm-hmm. almost like a, a crow, almost, you know. I was going to say, is that the yeah. difference between a boy and a girl, basically? Well, too. sounds very much like the cockerels. So yeah. what Dr. Smith found, I didn't see anywhere that she had done this with a watcher hand. She was just doing this with cockerels, is my understanding. But what she found was that the warning call can be very nuanced. If there were hens nearby, the cockerels would give the warning call. And it's the one we think of, that chesty, throaty one. Usually they're telling you there's an aerial predator when they do that. But what she found is if the cockerel was by himself, he would generally take cover. If there were no hens around, if he wasn't worried about hens, he would generally take cover and stay quiet. Or if there was just a group of, say, young cockerels, same thing. They wouldn't warn each other. They would just kind of take cover and stay quiet. It's the hens that made this communication really nuanced. And the long and the short of this experiment is that this is much more dynamic than they ever expected. It's biological. Women stick together and they're like, get cover, get cover, all the girls. The men are like, they protect women. Men together are like, dude, you're on your own. (laughs) What the scientists were saying essentially is that it's a lot more dynamic, meaning there was a lot more range and nuance to the call. It doesn't necessarily mean just one thing, which we already knew. But, you know, that's what scientific experiments are for, empirical knowledge. Yeah, I mean, I do find as well that the uh, volume and the length of the call as well is very different depending on what the danger is. Yes. So, for example, if it's a dog that had got into our chicken field, it's a very different style of call than if it's an aerial attack. Yes. So if we've got a hawk, so we, the sparrowhawks are always in our area. I mean, there's no threat to our giant chickens, but, mm-hmm. you know, because sparrowhawks in the UK are quite small. But... The chickens, it's very quick, very loud, very sharp, that warning call. But if it's a a dog or a a mammal that they've seen come into the area, it's much longer, much more elongated, much deeper in tone as well. The scientists did note that aerial predators and terrestrial predators, there definitely is that difference. So you are, of course, correct. Mine pace. It's a yes. back and forth, oh, back and forth, yeah. the watchers. Yeah, That's the body yeah. language part with the vocal language. They're pacing to let everybody know as much as they can. Mm-hmm. And it's that's the and body the language. Chickens, don't forget the meerkat look as well. Yes. So that, 
<laughs> so the the head chickens, the one higher up the hierarchy, it's you know head straight in the air, yes. and all the ones lower down the pecking order are doing what you you mentioned, getting low to the ground, right. going mm-hmm. as low as they possibly can. So right. it's a good way to work out who's top and who's bottom. That's true, and that also. Not the warning, not the egg call, but when you're back there with them or you're out with them all the time, you notice there's little going on between them, two separate ones, and they're cleaning each other. other. Always dialogue, yeah. Always. And that they know what they're saying to each other. And if you're around a chicken a lot yourself, like I've been around Gertie and Pearl, my Americana who I lost, Mm -hmm. they start doing that to you. Yeah, because you become their flock. There's a book, it's called How to Speak Chicken, written by a woman named Melissa McCaughey. And in it, she says, through years of observing her chickens, she says that chickens have a name for each person in their orbit. I'm sure. And that if you carefully listen, you'll learn what your chickens call you, which I thought was the coolest thing. I have not managed to pick out a name that my chickens call me. I am going to have to watch that now. Isn't that neat? Yeah. To see what they call me. I think whatever they're saying, I think they're saying, it's the food god. It's the food god. She's on treats. (laughs) Yes. So queen of the flock. The queen of the flock is here with the food. (laughs) Say we're all queens of our flock. That's right. Oh, no, that was Queen Gannett. So, you know, I cannot be queen of the flock because that was Gannett. No one is ever going to replace that chicken. I prefer to be the food god. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It is a good place to be. So we know the rooster noises. I mean, everyone focuses on the rooster noises. It's interesting you're talking about the little conversations that they have going on the whole time. Oh, yeah. yes. Personally, I think it's it's very similar to the noise that the booty hen makes to a chick as she walks around. So it's, ah. it's not exactly the same. You can tell the tonal difference, but... Mm-hmm. It's that kind of constant conversation that she's got with the chicks. So mm-hmm. that to me is, you're part of my little group. Stay with me. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, and when they're cleaning each other, they're talking to each other. They're different than the stress calls, the warning calls. They're very light and flowy. And one thing to notice is if you have a talking chicken and that chicken stops talking, that's the time to say what's yes. going on. What's going on? That's a difference in behavior, a difference in pattern. There might be something happening. Mm-hmm. I know with all of Gertie's troubles that she's had the last few months, there were times when she didn't feel well and stopped. Yeah. So when I hear her, yeah. when I pick her up and she's like, I'm like, okay, that's good. You know, everything's okay. That is your chicken name. There that you might go. Be your, yeah, that might be my name. <laughs> that's what your chickens call she, you. I'm probably the medicine lady. She's like, <laughs> Oh no, the medicine lady's back. So one of the one of the best known chicken calls I think everyone has heard and loved this is a rooster tidbitting for his ladies. Oh yeah. Oh yes. I get asked, you know, so often that uh, people are going into their chicken areas and then they contact me and say, my rooster keeps walking up to me and putting one wing down and scratching <laughs> with one leg and walking around in a circle. What does that mean? And I have to say, um, he's coming on to you. Yeah, he actually joey from friends how you doing uh, yes how you doing i can't do the i can't do the accent you have to do it for me I here we go how you doing perfect <laughs> that's, it. that's it one accent yep, i can do it. then they'll try to whine and dine the ladies a little bit they're like hey babe there's some really choice clover over here they do the little tidbit noise i think casper our sweetest flower room is the best tidbitter ever 
And in fact, his tidbit is at the very end of our podcast. If you listen so, to the very, to very, the very end, end, that's Casper yeah. tidbitting for his wife, Honeysuckle. They're terrible sometimes, though. Sometimes they'll jump on their hand and then they dance for her afterwards. <laughs> like, you are not a gentleman. What is that? I, I think I've got he's some... got some really unusual moves there. <laughs> Surprise. They're not gentlemen. I'm sorry. They are not no, gentlemen. No, it is not very gentlemanly. You dance before you jump on her. This is not how this works. Or he'll tip it for her. And then I guess she's not quick enough. Then he eats it. <laughs> <laughs> Too slow, babe. Too slow. Too lose. Down the hatch. Anyway. So there's tons of different little things, nuances. Like watch your own chickens. It's really fascinating mm-hmm. to hear the different calls, see them talking to each other, hear the warning calls. Now you don't want to hear the warning calls because they are warning of something. Right. And I've noticed too, like if, People that they don't see a lot come up. They kind of do a little warning call. Yeah. yeah. We count as terrestrial predators as well. Yeah. They can recognize up to 100 faces, can't they? Yes. Yes. Of um, animal and people. Yeah. They recognize myself and you, and they're always running towards us. But other people who they don't normally see, they run like you would not believe. They They move far. Even the dogs, our dogs, and then our neighbor's dog, Murphy, comes over to visit them every single day. And they come right out. They actually peck them on the nose. But if another dog has come in the yard and they don't know that dog, they run and get under the coop. They're very intelligent and their communication is there. You just have to pay attention to it and hear it. It is. And we will link, as always, to Fiona's video in the show notes, English Country Life, so you can watch the chicken communication video. It's awesome. It really is fantastic. Everybody should check it out and see some of the nonverbal examples as well as the obvious chicken calls. A lot of it is situational, isn't it? So it is about yeah. watching them, working out what's going on around that communication. Yeah. It's not just what they're doing. It's what's actually going on around them. And that will give you a clues as to what they're trying to say to each other. Yeah. Context yeah. is everything. It really is. Yeah. And I think as time goes on and more and more researchers are looking into this, we'll probably find that there's not more than 24. There's probably more like 240 exactly. different calls and the medicine lady, yeah. the food lady, medicine lady. The little kid. Well, one of the things over. I'm doing this week actually is I'm extracting the audio from a lot of my videos with the broody hens and the chicks. So multiple broodies and sets of clutches of chicks. Because what she's trying to establish is are the tonal variations significantly different between the broody hens? Can the chicks identify their broody hens through slightly different tonal changes? If she starts to play these recordings to chicks in the eggs, do they respond to them after they've hatched? So it's a really interesting piece of research. So that's what I'm going to be doing this week, pulling that audio out for her. Did you say that this is for someone doing her graduate research? Absolutely, yes. Wow, that's fantastic. Awesome. Really exciting. I'm really wait to see the results. So if you haven't yet, go to English Country Life on YouTube and check out this amazing channel. It's our favorite. The videos are absolutely beautiful. (laughs) I love it. Beautiful, beautiful. So Fiona, thank you for joining us for this month's roundtable. We love talking with you, friend. It's so nice. And we'll catch up in September for the next round table. Yes, we will. Yay. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye. Bye. Once again, thank you to Fiona for a really fantastic roundtable discussion. Oh, yeah. And now it's time for...
Cracking the eggs. Cracking those eggs. So we're going to stay in Europe. We're going to stay in England specifically. Yes. We're going to go with a recipe that I really like for brunches or fancy lunches. Yes. It's called kedgeri. It's awesome. Kedgeri is a really delicious rice dish. You can't go wrong with rice. No. I'm kind of one of these people that could eat rice all the time. Me too. Me too. So for this recipe, you use basmati or any long grain rice. Right. I really like the basmati. I keep a box of that Mm -hmm. in the pantry. You're going to use smoked salmon. Oh, yeah. Though, traditionally, the kedgeri recipe is smoked haddock. I'm not as much of a fan of the haddock. Me either. You poach it in milk, and it's supposed to be delicious. I will admit that I've never made kedgeri with the haddock. I always do it with smoked salmon. Yeah. And you want hot smoked salmon, so it's in chunks. Yeah. You're going to have hard-boiled eggs, curry powder, onions, parsley, and any other spices or seasonings you want in there. And it's not traditional, but once again, we're going to rebel and include peas. Peas and rice go really well together. And salmon. Yes. Great. So my mom, growing up, we always, once a week, had peas and white rice. Right. As a side. Yeah. Yeah. Like, she would just mix it's it. It's good. Yeah. So the kedgeri, we've already removed a step because we're not poaching the smoked haddock in milk. Makes it easier. Even easier. So you saute the onions in a large skillet or saucepan till they start to brown a little bit. You're going to add the uncooked rice right. and the spices. That includes the curry. You're going to add that to the pan, and you're going to stir them around until the spices coat right. the rice grains. At that point, you're going to add, you can use water if you want, but we use veggie broth, mm-hmm. give it some extra flavor. You want to add your stock or broth and the peas, and you're going to cook them right. the way you would normally cook So put rice. your heat to simmer, mm-hmm. cover it up, and let it simmer. Until the liquid is all absorbed. Usually exactly. it takes about 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah, it's, it's not long, and basmati no. cooks pretty quickly. Yeah. So once it's finished, you're going to stir in the fish, mm-hmm. the smoked salmon. You sort of make it in chunks. Right. The parsley and the cooked hard-boiled eggs. Oh, yeah. Now, the hard-boiled eggs are easy fun. That's great. But you can also serve this with fried or even poached eggs. Just to you, change it up a little bit. Yeah. And if you like the yolk, I actually like the yolk kind of coating everything. Oh, yeah. So I'll do a sunny side sunny up. Sunny side up, yeah. It's delicious. Again, easy. Looks fancy. I have a really nice vintage... Pyrex casserole dish in the original stand. Oh, yeah. That belonged to my Aunt Nancy. My cousin Stacy gave it oh, to I've me. Oh, I've already drooled years. over that one at your house. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's in the original stand, which is really hard. So, anyway, that's my presentation dish to serve oh, Kedri yeah. in. Do you know what this dish would look great in? What? Our white, huge chicken dish. Oh, yeah. That would look good. Like at a brunch? Yeah. You know, the one that we use for the salad, for the, the garden right, party? Right. That would look amazing really in that would. dish. Maybe we'll make some and put it in there for some photos. Yeah, that would be great. I mean, the Pyrex is great, but the chicken dish. Well, you know, I'm, uh, you got to serve it in the chicken dish. I'm all about Pyrex. Yeah. But we got a huge chicken dish. We got to use that. <laughs> that was one of the best thrift store finds ever. Oh, my God. Yes. If you remember, I texted you and I was like, do I want to buy this? And you were like, yeah. It's <laughs> like, do you not want to buy this? What's wrong with you? Get it and I'll pay you for I it. I must have been tired. <laughs> anyway. So, Kedra, yeah, delicious, easy. Give it a try. So, it's time for Retail Therapy. Retail Therapy. Yeah. So, today's Retail Therapy, we actually have a surprise for everybody. Yeah, we have an amazing guest joining us today. Oh, yes. We know her from Instagram and we've seen her stuff and it is so adorable. And her name is Rebecca Marshall. Hey, Rebecca, welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. Anytime. How are you doing? I'm okay, thank you. It's uh, it's really nice to be here. Been watching all your beautiful art on Instagram. Yeah. 
so many beautiful things. And we were like, we have to talk to you. We have to spotlight your stuff. <laughs> it's just so gorgeous. You definitely have chickens. So how did you get into chickens? Well, I always wanted them, but we didn't get them until three years ago when we moved to the countryside. So I guess as soon as we had a chance, as soon as we had a big enough garden. That's amazing. Yeah, they're great, aren't they? They're so nice just to watch and so relaxing and really interesting. I love them. They're my Zen moment. I say it constantly. You can just watch them do their thing and it instantly relaxes you. So are you on a small holding? We live in a cottage in the countryside. It's a 400-year-old cottage. Yeah, it's really old. We've got a sort of a large, very cottagey garden and then an extra piece of land that was bought from a local farmer and then it sort of attaches to the back of our house. But it's not big enough to be called a small holding, but it's big enough for chickens and a big vegetable patch and then the garden. So Sounds amazing. great. So Rebecca, you're on Etsy under Rebecca Lee Artist. That's your Etsy shop name. And I have a link to that in our show notes. And I have to tell you that we absolutely love your artwork. All of it. We just love all of it. What inspired you to take that path? The chickens and the flowers and your style? I was drawing pets for a long time and just really keen to do more of my own work. And just having the chickens around, they were just so beautiful. (laughs) And and also, I've, I've got to think about birds, drawing birds. Going back over 10 years ago when I was at uni, I was making lots of, of these sculptures of bird people. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Wow. And I did a lot of sort of mini bird sculptures and these sort of bird head figurines that you kind of attach to walls and stuff. So the bird thing's always been there. But now, I guess since I got chickens, it's just come up again, I suppose. The chickens inspired you even yeah. more. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Your drawings are gorgeous. Just love to look at them. So pretty. Who influenced you? I guess just having chickens around and again, like moving to the, because I think I started drawing the chickens specifically about three years ago. So it would have been around the time we moved here and got chickens. And that, and just, I guess, just having the, the cottage garden we've got now, it's quite a big influence on my work. But I don't think anyone really in particular influenced me or inspired me. I think it's just as an artist, you just draw on things that are around you. And yeah, yeah so those things make me feel happy. So you just want to do more of what makes you feel happy. (laughs) And you've been in art all along from a career standpoint. So I studied art at college and university. And then, um, but at university, like I said, I was doing more of the sculptural work. But again, it was the birds, but more sculptural. And then I went into teaching, but I always, yeah, yeah. I was a special needs teacher for a long time. But while I was doing that, I was always freelancing on on the side and taking art commissions. And it was when I had my daughter six years ago that I decided to stay at home and focus on my art as well as raising the kids. So love that. I'm a stay-at-home mom of 16 years. So as one to another, I totally know what you're going through right now. (laughs) I just, yeah, I just couldn't because I was teaching such long hours and I just couldn't do it to her. And my husband works away as well. So it was just sort of a no-brainer really. Exactly. I was right there with you. My oldest is 16. My youngest is 11. And I've been home since she was born. And you make that decision. You're like, I'm going to raise my kids. And that's a big job in itself, like the most important job. You're molding these people. So it's so awesome that you have your art along with it. It's so great. And it's flexible. It's good because you can work it around Mm -hmm. with the family and it's good. Yeah. So this is just a general question that we tend to throw out to our various UK guests. <laughs> what do you like best about chicken keeping in the UK? That's a really hard question. I was thinking about this because I don't think the UK are as far ahead with chickens 
they're not as popular as they are in the US. Okay. Okay. I think as a hobby. I think since lockdown, since, you know, the COVID lockdowns kicked in, it's chickens. Everyone's gone mad for chickens over here. <laughs> People yeah. breed chickens. They just can't keep up with it. Is it the same over there? Yes. Yes. It's definitely, you know, like for us old timers, it's seeing all the people come in and we're like, whoa, this is crazy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Everyone's buying chickens now suddenly. And um, I ordered a chicken coop from, you know, omelette. Nice. Mm -hmm. Seven weeks to get here and they keep changing the date that it's going to be. Oh, wow. You're like, I need this coop. My chickens need a house. (laughs) Come on. Where is it? (laughs) So yeah, everyone's just gone nuts for chickens recently. But when I look on Instagram and I look at, you know, all the breeding that's going on over in the US and especially, you know, people breeding for different colored eggs and all that stuff, it just seems like you're so much more ahead of the chicken game <laughs> than things are over here. A bit more different, I suppose. I mean, there are yeah. very good breeders over here doing amazing things, but it's not as popular as it is in the US, I don't think. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely taken a turn over here. Yeah. But we're like old schoolers. We like heritage breeds that have been around <laughs> forever. And there's old school breeds that are just amazing. We're like, yeah, keep them coming. Keep well, them coming. Like more than half of them are from the UK anyway. Yeah. I mean, I'm, like... <laughs> Most of the breeds that we're crazy about have come from England originally. So all of our breed spotlights are like, okay, well, it either it started with the Romans or Asia and then moved through the UK and then came to us. So it's pretty amazing. So we've heard that you have some ex-battery hens. Yes. Is it so fulfilling to watch them blossom after knowing what they've been through? How is it? It's it's so nice and oh it is such a shock because I knew what they would look like I knew that it would be a bit you know shocking compared to my mm-hmm. other girls but yeah they are just so skinny and they're so bald in patches and just when I pick them up they're just so light and they're still you know laying so many eggs <laughs> oh wow just, wow yeah and they just look they're so tatty such a mess but they're just laying eggs constantly and you know like with my other hens you know they don't lay through winter if they're molting, they don't lay, you know, because that's healthy. That's the way it should be. But these hens are just like egg machines. And it's it's quite sad. Do you feel the gratefulness from them? Just like, thank you. Like, I've adopted yeah. some of my dogs and you just yeah. feel that. Yeah, I think so. They're really sweet and they, they're getting more and more trusting, like every day. And they're braver than I thought they'd be, considering they've never really had any interactions with people. And, you know, they didn't know what grass was or, you know, all those things. The second day they were here, I was giving them leaves and things and they were just running away from them. Oh. (laughs) Now are they like, this is good stuff. Like, I'm going to take on some grass. Yeah, they're (laughs) digging holes. I had two of them escape out of their... um, (laughs) And they were digging up my kale. It's it's so nice to see them actually in the allotment, even if they're digging up your stuff. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right. Yeah, it's nice. Stop eating those carrots. What are you doing? This is totally not a fair question. It is. It's not a fair question, but (laughs) do you have a favorite chicken breed? No. (laughs) They're all so good. good. And I know it's a cross, but I really love my olive eggers. They're so much fun. But The eggs are gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. You can't go wrong with green eggs. Come on. The Moran's Cross Cream Leg Bar. And I just love how they look. They're just so mm-hmm. beautiful. They've got the crest and and they're just such beautiful shades of sort of like silvery gray and bright orange like collars around the neck. They're gorgeous. But then 
I'm getting some cream leg bars later in the year. I might kind of think that they're the best thing ever when they arrive. So. Oh, we adore ours. They just. are. Like, we're like, how to come? We waited so long to have this yeah. chicken. We, were, we did not expect that. We each got a pair of them this spring. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we thought we'd like them. We like all of our chickens, but we just fell crazy in love with both yeah. pair. Oh, yes. Are they, are they quite wild? No. No. They're very sweet. They're very sweet. They'll come up to you. We can pick ours up and hug them. They're cuddly. They're just the nicest girls. They are very cuddly, which as you know, with us is like, they have to be cuddly. (laughs) Well, they're active. I mean, they like to forage and they like to run around and do their thing, but they still are very friendly with people. Yeah. We love, love, love them. And they're just so gorgeous in their own way. Mm -hmm. Like the crest, the crazy comb. comb. Yeah. Yeah. And the colors. Yeah. Just... Absolutely gorgeous. Have you done any drawings of cream leg bars? Yes, I've got a cream leg bar on my rainbow egg layers design, but I need to do some more. There's so much that I want to do. It's just time with my little boy. He's only 18 months at the moment. Oh, you're busy. um, Yeah, yeah. It's just a bit crazy. I'm hoping from January I should be able to produce more because he'll be in childcare then for a bit. Okay. That'll be amazing. Yeah. So do you have a favorite chicken that you love to draw? That you're just like, oh, I can't wait to draw this chicken. No, they're all great. <laughs> no, it's, like, it's so unfair. That's the problem though, isn't it? Because there's so many different types. They're all so beautiful. And I just want to draw them all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> A friend of mine the other day, my neighbors. So I have like 19 chickens and they're like, so do you have all the kinds of chickens now? And I'm like, I just laughed. I'm like, not even close. Not even. Many more to collect. <laughs> it's dangerous this is a problem (laughs) we will be moving in a couple of years to a small holding nice so that's the plan long-term plan so yeah i am planning on getting many more (laughs) yay oh yes definitely more is always better they're like potato chips (laughs) i think so i want some bantams and i want the bigger breeds and i want them all (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's this one. I just got my first bantams and I've kept chickens for 20 years and I just got my first bantams and now I'm down another rabbit hole. My husband yeah. looked at me the other night and he said, I thought you liked big chickens. <laughs> I still like big chickens, but now I like really small chickens too. Yeah. yeah. Every breed spotlight, she says, <laughs> I can really see this chicken in my flock. <laughs> like, I could. You're going to have the flock of every chicken. That's yeah. the goal. Yeah long-term goal (laughs) we absolutely love your chicken alphabet tea towel it's just adorable do you have a favorite thing in your shop or do you have a favorite design that you've made I really like the one that's called I think it's called hen in the garden and it's a sort of a brown ex-commercial hen with some flowers behind it I really like that piece I want to draw a lot more sort of floral chicken Mm -hmm. pieces and a lot more patterns with different flowers and different types of chickens and things. I think that's probably the direction it's going in, to be honest. Which sounds amazing. Yeah. You can't go wrong with any of that. No. I love everything I'm hearing right now. Like <laughs> chickens yes. and flowers. I know. Speaking of flowers, you have some beautiful gardens. Thank Do you, you have a favorite flower in these gardens? My favorite flower is probably calendula. Oh, okay. Nice. It's just so sweet and sunny and uh, you can do so much with it. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get the English cottage garden, but it's still work. It's a lot of work, isn't it? <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is. I feel like we sort of cheated because we moved here and um, it was already, we had quite an established, like really beautiful cottage garden. Nice. If we'd have moved here and started a garden from scratch, it probably wouldn't look like this. 
I've added a lot to it and I add sort of like cut flowers every year, but we were very lucky. I got really into roses when we moved here because there's a lot of roses and there's so many different types. It's amazing. Yeah. Like I think there's so many different types of roses. Do you make a lot of arrangements? Do you have a lot of cut flowers in there? Yeah, I love doing that's, that. That's what I love in the garden. I always go out and cut what I can. Yeah. I'm like, I need more. Me too. Yeah. I just need to keep adding. And it, you're right. It takes a while to get an established. A long time. Especially like if you want the English cottage kind of garden mm-hmm. where they're the taller, you can cut the flowers like for your own. The more effortless it looks, the more work probably went into it. It's like trial and error too. <laughs> right. like you could put a flower in one year. It's like that didn't come back. That didn't work. It, it, now you yeah. try something else. I've always thought calendula would be a perfect name for a hen. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many good flower names for hens, isn't there? Plant names. You could do like a whole garden theme. You could. Well, my Swedish flowers are all named after flowers, yeah. but I need to extend that. I think the nankins, I'm going to be extending that into the nankins. So do you have any new projects coming up that you'd like to share with us? I'm going to be doing a calendar next year. Nice. Awesome. And then I've got a new mug design. Uh, so it's just going to be cockerels. Oh, because I keep getting asked, people keep saying, you know, have you got a cockerel mug for the man? <laughs> you know, you don't have to be a, a bloke for it, but you know, it's a, that's why I'm doing it. Um, so I'm going to be doing that. And then got the samples made of um, some hen pillows. So I need Ooh, to that's me. I'm right? a pillow girl. Mm-hmm. My husband always says, you have way too many pillows. It's like There's you're 85 no years thing. old. No such thing as too many <laughs> like an 85 year old lady with the pillows. I said, how can you have too many pillows? You can't. You could have like every hen breed in, in a pillow. I would absolutely <laughs> adore that. He would be like, why do I have to take off 60,000 pillows to sit on the sofa? I'm like, well, I'll do it. Well, he could have all the hen breeds on a cushion or he could have all the hen breeds in the backyard. I'm going to do both. Both. I think both. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so great chatting with you. So great to meet you. And we love your stuff. We want everybody to check you out. You're on Instagram. You have the Etsy store. I'm going to say, you can't go wrong with Rebecca Marshall. You can't. You can't. You got to get her stuff. No, it's I would absolutely like to, gorgeous. I would like to buy one of everything in your shop. I, for real. <laughs> well, I just love it all. We already know. I got to commission you for every breed of chicken for pillows. <laughs> <laughs> we have to get together again on here. We'll have you back on. And until then, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Chat soon. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Rebecca, so much for coming on with us. It was amazing. She is just delightful. We could chat with her forever. Yeah. Okay. So should we tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next week? Well, next week is super fun. Yes. Next week, we're going to Sicily. One of my home countries. Right. So we're going to profile the absolutely beautiful Sicilian buttercup chicken, which you have said since way back when could be in your flock. Okay. If I <laughs> if I were someplace and there were Sicilian buttercups for sale, you know they're coming oh, home. Oh, yeah. They're me. coming That's home. That's coming home. We're going to do uh, another really good subject, small space and urban chicken keeping. Yes. Cracking the eggs are Sicilian sesame cookies. Oh, which yummy. Look amazing. And our retail therapy is vintage Italian chicken pottery. And there's a lot. There's a lot. Yeah, this is really fun. It's going to be a really fun episode. So what should we tell everybody to do? Hug your chickens. Every day and kiss them too. Don't forget. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. 
Thanks for listening. Ha, 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 ha.